incredible portion of scripture, 1 Kings chapter 18, and we saw Elijah feeling alone and, uh, and then all of a sudden God calling him to something marvelous and he has this contest or this tug of war with the gods with a small g of Baal and Asherah and God with a big G, the king of kings and the lord of lords. And we know who won that little contest. It was incredible. Well, I also told you that uh, last week we were out and, and um, uh, me and my father-in-law and my two boys, we went fishing and we didn't have the big motor. We only had the little motor 9.9 horse on the 18, 18 foot fiberglass boat. So it took us forever getting anywhere. We were desperate. We put down the downriggers. We had this tug of war with a seal and it was just incredible stuff because when we finally got it away from the seal this time, usually doesn't happen, we got this beautiful salmon, but there was a big chunk missing from it because we had this tug of war with the seal. But we got from last week how exciting it is that there often is this tug of war and our fishing rod is bent right over and sometimes we're, we're finally getting tired of holding our fishing rod. But I hope you found out last week that you have friends, colleagues, and people right here in this church that will help you hold your fishing rod. And I'd like to even say that I think there's times where we feel despondent, depressed, or full of anxiety, that I kind of think that once in a while, the good Lord comes in with his righteous right hand, and he grabs that rod, and he holds it for us. Exciting stuff. Well, same fishing trip. We got up way too early in the morning, waking my kids up at four in the morning, and trying to jam some cereal down their throats. I don't even know if they're swallowing yet. And we get it, make our way down the boat and we put it into drive, this little 9.9, taking forever to get out there. But this morning was different. Usually what greets us is kind of a, a darkness that slowly the sun comes up and then it's just incredible what you see. But today it was quite different. There was this precipitation in the air and it was foggy, foggier than I've ever seen it there on the coast. So, I mean, you got to pay attention. And when Norm, who grew up in Tassus, which is over there, um, when he says, wow, we got to pay attention because we got to know how to get back. And if he says it, then I really pay attention. So we go along the shoreline, and by the way, he has no GPS. That's right. And we go along the shoreline, and he says, give me that reading. Give me that reading. Reading of what? Read the compass. Okay, get rid of all the, there's a bunch of metal around him. Move the metal because he doesn't want to mess in with true north, right? So he moves everything, and then he takes a reading, he's, perpendicular it's 300 degrees that way which would make it what the opposite okay we figured that out now we went fishing put down our lines and we start giving her and we know where we are we're on we're right along the wall and we're going 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 getting close to Campbell Rock and then it's exciting we turn the boat around we lift our heads up you can't see a thing it's crazy we know where we were but the fog is so thick, even though we were going along the shoreline, we veered out just a little bit and we left our eyes and we can't see anything. So on this side is where we camp and all the, the walls over here and way over here is Critter Cove and Mucha Bay where we can actually get some fuel. Nonetheless, we finally get our bearings when we see a couple boats and then we all of a sudden see the rock over here. Okay, he says, now let's make our way over and we're going to fish over at Three Bay. I said, yeah, sounds good. You know, it's going to take a while. And as we're buzzing along, I just says to my father-in-law, and I, I'm used to trying to ask good questions, and here's a good question. Do we have enough fuel? And his response is, oh, oh. Oh, good thing you said something. 
right? And we're down to this much in the old, uh, in, in the old um, gas tank. So now we're just like, oh boy. So we turn around and then we look and we have no clue where Critter Cove is because it's still really foggy. So his best idea is to over to a big boat because usually these big Grady Whites or whatever, they have some kind of GPS system. And every person, I think three boats we asked, they did not have a GPS reading. But the guy says, yeah, you just go this way. Yeah, right. You go this way, you know? <laughs> so just go. So anyway, we go, okay, what was our reading? It was 300 degrees uh, southwest over here, so we're going to go exactly opposite. And that kind of makes sense with that last burly fisherman when he said like this. Yeah, that makes sense. So, okay, we're going to do this. We asked a couple guys, and we started burning. And it's not a long ways off, but if you go off a few degrees, you could end up in the middle of the ocean, man, and, and then we're really hooped. So we started, and we's buzzing along, and probably on a little bit of fuel, a little bit of prayer, and we're buzzing along, and then finally we get out of the fog just enough to see to our left that there's some boats or whatever, and we said, I think that's Hoist Point. And then Norm goes, excellent, so Critter Cove's this way. So he veers the boat this way, and I said, wait, 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 wait. I think I see an... I think I see an orange bumper, an orange boy in the water. And he says, what? And we saw just enough. And as we turned, then all of a sudden the sun came up and we could see Critter Cove and we were going to go the wrong way and run out of fuel. So nonetheless, we veered this puppy over. And by the time we got back, we, got, we had maybe half a gallon of fuel left. And then we celebrated with an ice cream cone. I mean, what better thing to do, right? But do you ever feel that way? Do you ever feel that you're in the fog? Do you ever feel, even though some of you have been a Christian for a long time, do you ever feel that you're still in the fog because so many new ideas are being thrown at us? Culture is coming 5,000 miles an hour. The government is changing laws. Trinity has been even challenged on some stuff, and now things are messed up over there when it comes to even signing a covenant in a Christian university, apparently. So there's so many curveballs coming our way. Do you ever wonder that you're in a fog going, is there metal around my compass? Or will this fog ever lift? Am I running out of fuel? Am I even believing the right stuff? Maybe God's changing with the times too. Do you ever feel like you're in a fog? I mean, story is told is the moment that we say no to the world and all of its temptations and all the crazy stuff, the moment that we say yes to Jesus, then all of a sudden we no longer have any more temptations, no longer do we have to deal with illness, no longer do we deal with anxiety, doubt, guilt, all of that's behind us because things are so peachy when we have a relationship with Jesus, right? Amen, yeah. If you believe that, I got great news for you. You are 100% wrong. And I think you're going to see today, and I think you'll get a breath of fresh air because as we continue on in our series on mountain views or mountaintop experiences, I hope that today you will see that wherever you are in life, you are not alone. If you're holding on to your fishing rod, you're not alone. If you're in the fog, you're not alone. If there's metal surrounding your compass and you're wondering if you're pointed true north anymore, you're not alone. So on that note, I would love for you to turn in your Bibles to Psalm 121. 
Psalm 121. Psalm 121. It's one of the beautiful psalms of ascent, and I'll explain what that means in just a bit. Psalm 121. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. He will not let your foot slip. He who watches over you will not slumber. Indeed, he who watches over Israel will neither slumber nor sleep. The Lord watches over you. The Lord is your shade at your right hand. The sun will not harm you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will keep you from all harm. He will watch over your life. The Lord will watch over your coming and your going, both now and forevermore. And the people said, Amen. Amen. Folks, this is a psalm of ascent, and it's interesting because there's a bunch of psalms of ascent. So what we're talking about is people are going to a place of worship that's so often on a mountaintop. And here we see this pilgrimage, we see people coming, and what strikes me very simply about the Psalms of Ascent and Ecclesiastes and about our day and age right now is that people want to connect and people want to connect with God. Wouldn't you say so? I think even when people are going off on their own way, they might be looking to make a lot more money. They might be cheating and doing all sorts of stuff to get better uh, place in life. They might be doing all sorts of experimentation when it comes to sexuality. I don't know. I think a lot of it, they're trying to fill an emptiness, a void that was only meant for God. And you guys, this isn't new today. Rainbow sidewalks, and this whole law changing, all this incredible stuff of, of SOGI 123 coming into our school systems and being shoved down our throats, even when a parent says something, they now are trying to feed the children. It's very interesting stuff. I think a lot of that stuff is not new. Because even when you look back to Baal and Asherah, we don't even want to talk about. In fact, some of our Bible versions have nicely cleaned up some of the things that the Hebrew and Aramaic really do say. Remember last week we talked about, you know, maybe Baal has gone aside, right? And we know that from some of our versions it says Elijah was saying, well, maybe he's on the can. Maybe he's going to wash him, you know? And we're just going, oh, that's, that's not very nice, Pastor Steve. Well, right there. There is some very interesting stuff here. And there's a lot of stuff here as these guys are making their ascent to the hills and they're saying, I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? So let's take a moment and pretend we can actually see Mount Baker here. We look at it and we go, I lift up my eyes to the mountain. Where does my help come from? Oh, did you read ahead? You, you cheated. <laughs> Cheater. You're, all right. Yeah, it's from the Lord. That's right. But let's, let's just say Henny wasn't that smart and knew the answer already. She obviously has gone through our Sunday school. What is it? And we try sometimes to to get ahead in life with economics or with our job, with popularity. I have told you before, when I was a kid, I would often put myself down because I wanted friends and family and people to come around me and bolster me up so I felt good about myself. There's so many different things that we use in order to find help for the void that we feel. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. At this stage in life, and even when we look at the stage here in the Psalms, and when we look back at 1 
Kings 18, we know that the mountain that they actually went to was a stronghold for Baal worship and Asherah worship. These Hebrew people here that are singing this song, I lift up my eyes unto the mountains. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. But you know what? They know what happens on those mountains. A lot of those were strongholds. A lot of those were broken down um, um, altars that used to be in honor and glorification to the Lord of hosts. And now there's crazy stuff up there that you go up and there's going to be some priests and priestesses that are pretty much taking your money. You can pay them to get some kind of magical spell so that you don't hurt yourself and travel. You can get closer to their God by coming in and paying a couple bucks and getting a male prostitute, a female prostitute. Or why don't you go back in there and you can actually be part of an orgy? This was happening. So when we talk about these Psalms of Ascent, there's quite a different picture that's going on for the Hebrew people at this point. There is a lot of corruption and nasty stuff going on. And doesn't it sound a whole lot what we're going through today? So here it's interesting. He says, where does my help come from? And he goes on in verse 3. He says, um, maker of heaven and earth, he will not let your foot slip. That's the number one thing he's going to do. And then if you go down quicker uh, to verse 6, he says, the sun will not harm you by day. And number three, the moon will not harm you by night. So it's interesting because you could actually pray or give money to one of these different gods or cast a spell or ask for a magic potion because one of the things that they knew of, they didn't want to get a, a pebble in their sandal or trip, or fall, or whatever, because out there in Palestinian territory, did you really want to end up with a broken ankle, or a huge blistering welt on your foot? Absolutely not. So you could find ways to be protected by that, apparently, by going to these small gods, or these gods with a small g. Or they also realized that through their journey, through their journey of life, through their ascent up to the hills, they realized that they could have a lot of exposure to the sunlight, so therefore they could have sunstroke. Or we can make it a bit more broad and realize that there's things that come our way that we see, things that come our way, temptations and, and uh, bad things happen to good people too. And we see these things and they can ask for remedies from these gods with a small g to help them with the things that come their way that they can see. But it also goes, the third thing here in verse six says, nor the moon by night, or moonstroke, some would call it, or it's also been equated to lunacy, that there's a lot of traveling and a lot and lot and lot of pilgrimage to the point where people get so tired and so down that some of them think that you can get struck by the moonlight and be almost struggle with lunacy. Or secondly, this is a picture of the long, hard road of life. And many of us struggle with anxiety, feeling down, depression, and despondency. I lift up my eyes to the mountains. Where does my help come from? Does it come from Baal, Asherah, sexual cult, orgies, magical spell? No. My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth the maker of heaven and earth. We saw last week, it was just beautiful because last week we saw in 1 uh, Kings 18 
that the Baal worshipers and Asherah worshipers, they came together and they did all sorts of singing and dancing and yelling and running about. And finally, they couldn't wake up uh, Baal or whatever. So they started cutting themselves and they did anything to get Baal's attention because they weren't sure if he was sleeping or if he was in the bathroom or what was going on. But somehow they had to get his attention. And the same thing is here in Psalm 121. We are talking about the same in the way that we have a God who will not let our foot slip. We have a God that won't let us get sunstroke or, or let us be overwhelmed by the things coming our way. And we also do not have to be overwhelmed and separated from God even if we struggle with despondency or depression. Does this psalm give you the hint that because you have a relationship with God, things are smooth? Or does it give you more the hint that, yes, you will still have troubles, but you are no, never alone. Isn't that great? You are never, ever alone. I like what uh, Peterson said. He says, you know, pretty much all the water in the ocean cannot sink your boat unless it gets in your boat. And even if you look at the psalm a little bit this way, we can have trouble, physical trouble with getting a stone in our shoe or letting our, ro- our foot slip on a rock or you might have s- trouble with temptations coming your way that you can see or struggle with the darkness of the moon when it comes to depression or whatever. But those are things that can never, ever separate you from God. Those things cannot separate you from the love of God. Because that stuff doesn't get in you. It's around us. In fact, it's around everybody. You look around and your neighbor's struggling with uh, suffering, with illness, with bad news from the doctor, paying the bills. Everybody struggles with that stuff, including Christians. But here, Psalm 121 seems to be alluding to the fact that don't let the water in the boat. I am with you. You have each other. And you don't have to sink because I am with you. He says in verse 8, the Lord will watch over your coming and your going both now and forevermore. It's really a hint of that you're never alone. We like to think Kronos. What's the time right now? But he thinks Keros. He thinks of any time, day or night. I am with you and I will always, always be with you. I like it because even in verses 3 to 8, the, the, the person changes from I and my to you and yours. So verses 3 to 8 are therefore words of someone, perhaps even a priest or a friend or whatever, somebody that comes alongside the pilgrimage. So even in the psalm, we see an I, I, and then all of a sudden changes to you and to us. So you see that even here, there's strength when we have each other. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Does our help come from the hills? Does our help come from relationships? Does our help even come from religion? Some of us, if you're like me, you've looked at different scenarios to give you fulfillment. We talked already, it might be our relationship with our wife or our husband. It might be our kids. We really find fulfillment in our kids. We've got enough of them. 
or we might in our job or maybe even our church. And so many people don't go to church anymore because they've been hurt by somebody in the church. Is it our health? Do we put our help or our, our, uh, I lift up my eyes into the mountains or I lift up my eyes to my health and then all of a sudden you get bad news? First Peter 5 verse 8, I think, gives us a great picture of that the devil is like a roaring lion looking around for someone to devour. And I think each one of us needs to realize this, that even if you're walking with the Lord or you've been walking with the Lord 20 years, walking with the Lord 30 years, there's still the narrative of Satan and the devil and he wants to take your eyes off of the Lord. He wants to take your eyes off of Jesus Christ and he wants you to A, put it on something that the world has to offer or simply he wants you to put your eyes on yourself. So think about these Psalms of Ascent. Think about even how the, the cultic worship had changed and now it was about going to that hilltop and paying off somebody in order to be forgiven or being a part of some kind of sexual cult so that somehow you could get closer and wake up your gods. It was all self-serving stuff, you guys. And yet, here he talks about the watchman. Here he talks about the one who never slumbers, never sleeps. The Lord will keep you from all harm, he says in verse 7, and he will watch. He's the watchman over your life. In Jeremiah, it says, Surely the hills are a deception, a tumult on the mountains. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. So in Jeremiah chapter 3, we have this whole narrative of still the rebellion and the things that the Israelite people are doing. And not only that, now the Judea, people of Judea are starting to get all messed up. And he's, God is calling them back. And he's saying, surely the hills are a deception, atonement of the mountains. Surely in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. But let me tell you, another version, uh, the uh, English Standard Version, ESV, puts it more plainly. That very verse that I just read to you says this. Truly the hills are a delusion, the orgies on the mountains. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. He's nailing it there. And why do I keep going off on these sexual things? Because you know what? I don't think it's any different today than it has been in the past. And it seems as though that that subject is even one of the very things that the devil knows seems to be huge bait for homo sapiens. All of us are intrigued and somehow somehow it's an easy thing to get caught up and tripped into. And here the ESV is saying, truly the hills are a delusion. All that stuff happening with the cults, no, it's not right. Truly in the Lord our God is the salvation of Israel. Is the salvation of Israel. In fact, he uses the word watchman or to keep. He uses it so many times in this passage to watch over, to take care of. It reminds me of the book of Nehemiah when they put a guard at every uh, point when they were rebuilding the wall. Nobody would sleep, but they would watch and make sure nothing happened. You guys, our, our God does not sleep. Our God does not slumber. 
We don't have to wake him up. We don't have to, oh shoot, he must be busy with Henny. Or David, whatever. No, he is with us. And he is watching over us. He is keeping us. Romans 8 says this. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of a son in order that he might be the firstborn among brothers. And those who he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those who justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, yeah, yeah. He did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him give or graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation? How about distress? Persecution. Famine? How about nakedness? Danger? Surely sword? As it is written... For your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Incredible stuff. So Psalm 121, yeah, they're in the same boat. They are flooded with all sorts of delusions, flooded with all sorts of thoughts, flooded with all sorts of self-worship, all all sorts of cults, all sorts of stuff. And there's things that are very tempting. And as they make their way up to the Psalms of Ascent, there they are once again faced with something. And they say, no, my help does not come from what's happening on that mountain. My, My faith comes from the very person who made that mountain. Who made that mountain? So I don't know. I hope it encourages you today like it has encouraged me when I read that part where Peterson commented is all the, all the water in the ocean cannot flood my boat unless I let that water in my boat. You too have the same temptations, the same struggles. You have the same doctors that give you the same news of illness Uh, If you're normal, you probably have bad days. I'm sure many of us struggle with depression, but we don't tell anybody because it looks like everybody else doesn't struggle with that stuff. Right? Anxiety. So many things to worry about. Yet, we have a God who even though he knows you very intimately, still loves you. He knows all the things that you deem wrong with yourself. And he loves you and he sent Jesus Christ to die on the cross for you. So my friends, this is a psalm of not just you, but this is a a psalm about us. And this is a psalm about God. And this is a psalm about God holding on to our fishing rod. This is a psalm about God being true north. 
This is a psalm about knowing that we are no, never alone, even though it looks like culture is coming heavy in on us. No, we have been taught right, and we have been taught well, and we will continue to turn our eyes not just to the mountains, not just to the great ideas, not just to some other thoughts that are going swirling around, but we will turn our gaze to the very one who created those magnificent mountains. What do you think? Right on. Heavenly Father, this morning, I'm, I'm with my friends here. Is, um, I think if we're honest, all of us have struggles and doubts. Even a lot of this new agenda that's been jammed down our throats these days. Um, Father, obviously a lot of it has come up because there are hurting people. In fact, even sometimes I think rules are changed within government and all that stuff to protect people and to help us recognize people. So, Father, there's, there's lots of things to pray for here. We don't want to pick on anybody at all. But what I'm trying to say is that sometimes, because we feel like Elijah, that we're alone and we must be out of date or totally traditional, and we start letting the ocean water into our boat. We start putting metal around our compass and no longer does it give a true north reading. We start giving up on the tug of war with that seal that wants our fish so badly. And then one day we're going to wake up and turn around and realize, oh my goodness. So Lord, I want to pray for my friends this morning. I want to pray for me. I want to throw that in there. That Lord Jesus, we need you more now than ever. We need to be a people that help us to know how to enjoy life and enjoy life to the glory of God. Help people to see that we're not just a bunch of no, no, don't do this, don't do that, stop doing this, but help us to just milk life to the glory of God and help us still to know truth because the truth will set us free and the truth will set our culture free. Help us, Lord, to have wisdom and discernment when it comes to... to um, um, responding to culture when it, responding to individuals that are struggling with all sorts of stuff help us to be gracious i know that even uh, tennyson brought up to me this week how graceless our society is if anybody makes a mistake these days it's all over facebook and people demand that they quit their jobs and all sorts of stuff lord this is a time for us to shine because we are people of grace because we serve a god of grace so I just hope that somehow, Lord, you help us to be real people of truth, real people of grace, so that we can extend grace and love and truth to a world that is starting to allow ocean water into their boat and help us, Lord, to see and to help others realize that you are true. You are the way. And nobody comes to the Father except through Jesus Christ. Father, we lift up our eyes unto the mountains. Where does our help come from? Because the Lord knows we need it. Our help comes from the Lord. Yahweh, Jehovah, the God of promise, the maker of heaven and earth. Thank you, Jesus. Amen.